everyone and welcome back to Team Time with Heretics. I'm Bing, I'm taking over for today, and I have my lovely cup of chai tea. I am joined by my lovely compatriots. I am Mori, he, they, she. As always, I've just got my tango that I'm slowly decanting out into a tiny glass. I'm Acorn. <laughs> I actually have tea. Yes, I got tea squad. Tea squad. It's a black tea tea with dandelion in it and it's kind of caramelly it's called Ooh. thief Ooh. oh is that the one that you got from the yeah. game shop yeah it's the one i got from the game shop and because you know i have a brand i also have a can of monster excellent big up big up horde in bristol it's where uh we play warhammer a lot it's i also run a friday D, &D game there they have a lot of really good stuff it's lovely to be back with everyone yet again and today, with luck, bongo, bongo, we bongo, should, bongo, bongo. today, with luck, we should be getting into the final episode of the three-part set on our Primark series, dealing with the, the final set of the brothers to have been found. But oh, first, goodness. I do think we do have uh, a couple small updates, uh, starting with, we have recently breached 50 views on according to our stats through Anchor, which is really fucking cool. Like, ah! <laughs> thank you to anyone who has recently joined us. Uh, thank you for anyone who's continued listening past the first episode. It's very exciting. It also, is. thank you to everyone who has found our TikTok and has been interacting with that. Uh, I try very hard to make the TikToks and they do not come quickly but i think they're fun so thank you for everyone who's interacted with those it's very cool we have we have a couple of you've you've put up a couple tiktoks on there that are doing really really well which is really exactly cool. two there will be more but they take that's, time that's unfortunately with those updates out the way on our stats and socials i suppose we can get launching straight into this episode then just to, to try and finish up this little three-parter. What horrors shall unfold before my eyes? Uh, the the f horrors to unfold next are, personally, visually, one of my favourites from the entire bunch, and that would be Mortarian. What? Batman? That iconic name. Uh, no, Batman is, Batman is Kurz. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, my bad. I was getting... I, I know where I got confused. Where? For, for, for later. Okay. For okay, the future. So I've just put these, I've just sent the pictures through to the Discord. These are, this is Mortarian. The The first one is him in his early life. The middle one is him as the Primarch. And then the last one is him now. <sighs> Mortarian is, he, he crash landed on a planet called Barbarous. Which, as you might expect, is a fairly not particularly nice place to live. Have any of them really been? Uh, I mean, they make the most of where they land, but have any of the places they've landed really been actually just nice? I mean, Gearman was fairly well off. Prospero and Magnus was okay. Um, Gillywater? Yeah, Gillywater. Uh, <laughs> some, Rogel Dawn was relatively alright. It was fucking cold, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, but like, none of them have been like, good, easy, we can just sort of vibe. True. Yeah, true. I, I think the only one that's really good 
would be um, Rubik's Cube and McCrag. But we're not talking about Rubik's Cube today. We are talking about Mortarian. He, he crash-landed on a planet called Barbarus, where the, a lot of the atmosphere on Barbarus is highly, highly fucking toxic. Incredibly, incredibly deadly to breathe. So, not oxygen. Yeah, absolutely not. Or if not, or if oxygen, oxygen. then at the very least, incredibly, incredibly polluted. But Mortarian was taken in as the, effectively the adoptive son of a warlord of Barbarus. They, the planet was ruled by a a ruling class of incredibly powerful psychic tyrants and warlords that would constantly battle against each other and use their powers to dominate and control the the peasant population effectively. So most rulers yeah, throughout most human rulers. history except in space. Yeah, basically. They the the atmosphere for Barbarus got more and more and more toxic the higher up you got. Like elevation wise? Yeah, elevation wise. The higher in the atmosphere you got, the more toxic it got. Okay, so oxygen was most likely one of the denser gases, and then the higher up you got, the less frequent it was, and so the higher amounts of toxins you were taking in, and therefore not surviving because you weren't getting enough oxygen and also you were being poisoned at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely that. Science. Mortarian yeah. was found in the middle of a, a battlefield fairly low down and lower down there is a lot more of the regular humans because they're able to survive down there easier and it was this this massive horrifying like just battlefield of carnage hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dead fallen soldiers warriors just mowed down in it's i don't think it's ever explicitly said what the battle was but one of the warlords, one of the, the psychic tyrants from high up in the sky, was prowling through the remains of this battle, and he found the crashed Mortarian, which is how he became his son, and he was raised by him, trained by him, taught to fight, taught to... He was he was trained to be a, not quite a successor, I suppose, but a, a scion, an heir. Mortarian was the greatest warrior that they had ever found, and he trained and taught Mortarian to fight and to use him as a commander, the frontliner against the armies of the other warlords and the other tyrants, effectively. So you said that the warlords were psychically powerful. That brings up the one of the points that I think was brought up last episode, wondering whether or not the Primarchs were like using their psychic abilities whether consciously or not to have the most psychically powerful and or physically or politically powerful people adopt them so that they have the best chance of survival and becoming someone of note on each of their planets it is entirely possible whether or not it's like that use of the the innate psychic power that's being put to it or just like the sheer charisma and intelligence that each of them had that made them capable of getting to those points i'm not entirely sure like it's it's a good theory especially for some of the actually more psychically powerful ones yeah especially right here since like they were looking Prowling the battlefield for a corpse, basically, or for 
anyone who survived and they happened to come across him. Like, that feels like there had to be some sort of, like, psychic go this way at the back of their skull. Maybe? I mean, if they were powerful, then they may have been able to detect the infant Primarch. Maybe. It's, it's an interesting idea either way. But during one of the the trips down to the surface, basically, Mortarian ended up coming across a village, a human village that lived in one of the, the valleys far down below. And for the first time in his life, actually, he smelt home-cooked food, and he heard music and laughter. And walking amongst the, the regular humans down there, he realized that these were his people, not the not the inhuman monster that had taken him in as his son. And he, at that point, he turned against his adoptive father. He was met by and spoken to by a a mysterious person in a a hooded robe <laughs> who basically hmm. directed Mortarian and not quite goaded them but egged them on, directed them that little bit extra to to bring the fight up against his adoptive father. Mortarian gathered up the, the strongest people that he could from the village that he had found himself in. He he helped them fight, he trained them, he taught them to fight back against the, the monsters and the warlords and the armies that were coming down from above. And bit by bit, he started to, to collect up other villages and towns and cities and build up an army of his very own from the very surface. And he named this army, he named them his Death Guard. And after several years, at the very least, of working to slowly conquer more and more parts of the world, he knew he had only one target left, and that would be his adoptive father's fortress, higher up in the atmosphere than he had ever gone before, higher than any of his people could go, and fighting all the way up the mountains, all the way up to his father's fortress. He got. He, he had been spending years, decades, slowly conditioning his body to get better and better at surviving the high altitude toxins of Barbarus. And he had gotten, in this final attack, when all of his men had had to, to stop and fall back long, far below, he had gotten to the very gate of his father's mansion. And that is when his body gave out from him. The, the toxin buildup eventually came too high and even with the the suit of armor that he constructed for himself to to help him survive in the high atmosphere he wasn't quite able to manage it well enough he so came to the toxins and he collapsed and his father was about to execute him when that mysterious hooded figure arrived and with a single sweep of their sword killed mortarian's adoptive father rescued them from being executed the emperor yes the stranger revealed themselves to be the Emperor and Mortarian's father, and Mortarian quickly after that accepted command of the 14th Legion, the Dusk Raiders, which in honour of the army that he had built on Barbarus, he renamed the 14th to the Death Guard. And Mortarian's an interesting one. He is... <sighs> Barbarus and the conditions that Mortarian grew up in leaves the Death Guard with an incredibly, incredibly durable mindset. They were fantastic at trench warfare, long, extended 
extended battles where any other force would be taking incredibly grueling, heavy losses. They are the definition of a slow-moving, unstoppable force. Like snails. Like snails. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are just a, a wall. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a wall of plate armor, ceramite and adamantium, plate armor and power armor, bolt of fire and power swords, just slowly moving forwards, taking heavy fire and just keep on moving. Nothing will stop them. They are that immortal snail that always knows your location. Yes. Yes, <laughs> they are the immortal snail. And then I... you look over and suddenly it's just right next to you. Dun 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 dun. I I cannot snails i i love that here's a question because you played death guard right yes death guard is one of my free armies does this translate into their leadership role because i would expect them to have a pretty good leadership role if they're the kind of people like you said that the others would take heavy losses and i can't help but think that's when the people just going insane because trench warfare a lot of like survivors from trench warfare ironically their main complaint was that it's boring yeah, they they are pretty fucking durable in that regard. Um, universally, they have a rule that means any attack, any damage that hits them, any attack that hits them that does two or more damage is reduced by one, which is a very significant fucking amount. Like, all attacks do one less damage to a minimum of one. Yeah, there we go. Which is really tasty. Mm, especially when they have fucking two health each. Yeah, because I have weapons that do, like, D3 damage, 3 damage, 4 damage, and the fact that, like, that could just be... No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, against like, a regular Plague Marine, when they only have 2 health, if it's 3 or 4, it's not that bad, but against all of their bigger shit as well, like, the one extra wound when it's hard enough to hurt them anyway... They they last for a long fucking time. But they're also slow as balls. They are slow as heck. I definitely understand this technical talk for the board game that I've never played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, we have spent a long fucking time on Mortarian alone, so we do need to move. Um, key things to note about Mortarian, incredibly durable... <laughs> He continues talking about Mortarian. <laughs> I'm I'm we wrapping need to up. Move on. Let's continue to talk about Mortarian. Incredibly fucking durable. To the like when he was the Primarch of the Death Guard, he would regularly breathe in toxic gases and carry around canisters of custom toxic cocktails that he would share with the captains who led successful charges in missions. Oh yes, you've like done a... well. Poison yourself. Yes. It was a, a an honourable trial amongst their kin. It gives me Nicomedes vibes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the emperor who poisoned themselves and then tried to kill themselves by poison? Yeah, you know what? He had... He was great until he decided that even though he was immune to most poisons, that he should die via poison. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. That gives uh, up himbo energy. And yeah. most importantly... Actually, arguably significantly more than Lehman Russ, Mortarian hates psychers. And that will become important at a later point. But, like, it's obviously he hates psychers, it's because of the fucking the people, that, the warlords and tyrants on his homeworld. I mean, justifiable. Justifiable. Have we considered giving him a hug? 
it would be a bit stinky. You know what? I've hugged worse. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it would also be very deadly. But like, yeah. I think he deserves a hug. He does. He, they he all deserves do. a hug. Next, we go to a motherfucker who definitely doesn't deserve a fucking hug, though. And oh. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Akon, you know, you know who this is. Uh, Mortarian was found in 854 M30, and three years later, on a planet called Colchis, we found Aurelian Lorgar. If you think my hatred for Russ was strong, you wait. You just, just sit back, grab a snack, a sip of tea, and just listen. <laughs> Lorgar was raised on a world called Colchis. Colchis was a largely desert planet that was hyper, hyper religious. Its entire, like, planetary culture basically was built completely around religious zealotry and uh, a myriad of different cult identities and different, like, pagan religions and stuff like that. Did you mean the different sects of Christianity? (laughs) (laughs) Not far off for some of them, to be fair. See, it does... uh, You're not gonna like this, but that, like, mild description in a rather hilarious way, as well as the name, Loki reminds me of Cartus. Yeah... Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's not that far off. For the Omnisire. Mm, yeah. Yeah. May I introduce you to Gork? Or Mork, we're not sure. So, quick question. How did the Emperor feel about this child? Because didn't he, like, staunchly disagree with any sort of religion? Yes. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Emperor and the entire Imperium of Man was hyper-aggressively... Uh, Anti-religious. Was... Yeah, it was completely and totally secular. They had no religion, no no superstition, even. Like, it was considered bad etiquette to, to reference even concepts like luck, because... You would never have to worry about passing anyone on the stairs. Yeah, superstition was aggressively and intensely stamped out at every possible opportunity. If you did well, it was because of skill. If you did badly, it was because of skill or somebody was just stronger than you. Exactly. It's completely circular because the Emperor has seen time and time again how religion has ruined and destroyed cultures and civilizations time and again. I mean, ahem. Very pointy. Mm-hmm. But Ooh. this motherfucker... Uh, so Colchis had a shitload of different religions and faiths and ideologies. The most commonly known one was something that's simply referred to as the Old Faiths. And what the Old Faiths were, they venerated uh, a pantheon of four gods. There was a uh, god who had a domain over honourable battle, uh, strength, martial skill, and prowess. There was a god who had domain over life and the verdant greenlands against nature of growth, fresh, fresh renewal, all things like that. There was God of change, knowledge, and chance, uh, who dealt with with constructing the plans for the future and making sure the world keeps moving in the correct path. And there was a God of, of joy, of love, light, sex, uh, happiness. 
And those may seem vaguely familiar, <laughs> as they are significantly, <laughs> significantly more positive depictions of the four chaos gods. Mm. They, they were the the primary deities of the the Colchian old faiths, effectively. And when Lorgar was found, he was taken in by a man called Corfaeron. And Corfaeron is a massive piece of shit. He is a manipulative, conniving, painfully intelligent, greedy, self-centered sociopath who basically saw the infant Lorgar. Uh, it's said that 17 days after their discovery, after their birth, so-called, they were already speaking and walking and the size of a, a small child. They grow fast. Yeah, which is fitting, given that Lorgar is the Primarch of the 17th Legion. Now, Lorgar grew up very quickly. He, as with the rest of them, very rapidly reached maturity, very rapidly became known as a very intelligent, incredibly charismatic figure. He was one of the mo most charismatic of all of the Primarchs. He was an incredibly talented public speaker. Largely he was the in child of a preacher. Yeah, he was the child not just of a preacher, but of an entire society built around preachers. And he was revered by his homeworld as kind of a prophet. And one of the main things that he prophesied was that one day there would be a, a divine awakening on Colchis that would bring with it the one, the one true god who would unite all of the tribes of Colchis and bring the truth and the final answer to all of the different questions of religion, philosoph oh, philosophy, no. and identity. And <laughs> then, in 857 M30, the, the emperor... planet that started the fucking worship of the god emperor? Yes! <laughs> fucking! <laughs> For coming together. I understand. In, in 857 M30, the Emperor arrived, having heard of this nine-foot-tall, gold-skinned, hyper-intelligent warrior poet-priest. He beamed down to the surface with his armies and his custodies in his full, colossal glory in his solid gold armor, said, I am your father, you are my son, welcome to the Imperium. And Lorgar <laughs> took that in stride and calmly said to himself, Oh, shit, I was right. God has arrived. Wow. No Jesus allegory at all. Mmm. Mmm. So, like, uh, like it makes... Go on, go on. Sometimes I feel like the 40k law is, hey, how many Jesus analogies do you want here? Because uh, we can offer you Sanguinius, or we can offer you fucking this Lorca and everything that goes on with Lorca. Or, you know, there's 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 so much, but I, it's not good. But I wouldn't say it's done distastefully. <laughs> I think the Which only way... Which is surprising way... considering this was like in the 90s. Oh, earlier than that. Funny. 70s, 80s. Mm. I don't know time periods. Yeah, that's fair. I think the only way it could get more on the nose is if one of the Primarchs was named Balder. <laughs> yeah. But like you can you can 
totally understand why Logar would view the arrival as the emperor of the emperor as the the fulfilling of that divine prophecy and the arrival of God himself. You can totally understand that, right? I tell you what, the Primarchs are a perfect example of nature versus nurture and how they oh, both yeah. influence a child. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. He got taken up, and he got put at the command of the 17th Legion, which he then promptly renamed to the Word Bearers, as they would bear the word of Lorgar. Aww. He... <laughs> I feel really bad, but I love hearing Bing's utter discomfort. <laughs> the, the pain at it, yeah. After his, his induction into the Imperium, they... He reworked the basically the book of prophecy he had to include the new knowledge, and he named it the Lectitio Divinitatis, which is, it was the book that postulated that the emperor was a divine being and a god, and it was a deeply illegal apostate work of work of text. It was, you are not allowed to be found with that. If you were, then sentences would be severe and best. But it did start to slowly disseminate out and to spread throughout the, the expanding Imperium, and unfortunately, you know how that shit goes. Once it starts, it's difficult to stop. I feel like it makes a lot of logical sense that they could figure out where it's coming from. Like, yeah. Who is the religious zealot yeah. of the group? They who did, would? actually. <laughs> Why do I and feel like let it happen? Why do I feel like that gave off the vibes of most likely two that you get in like the yearbooks, like most likely to write a very, very illegal religious seller book. It's Loga. <laughs> oh no. Uh, the superlative section of your yearbook. Most the... likely to give everyone an STD. Well, you've got two choices: a cybermortarian, or it's Fulgrim. <laughs> Yeah. It's one of the players in the... On, on Thursday, not this Thursday, but next week, we are starting a uh, narrative crusade campaign of games at the game shop for 40k. And one of the players, Josh, a friend of mine, plays um, Chaos Space Marines, but he plays Slanesh Chaos Space Marines. And of the two bits of lore that he's given me to help me write the, the story to include his army one of them is that his army is basically the it's basically the plot of the film hellraiser because they're called the lament configuration which is gnarly as fuck and um the second bit is they have um their power armor is constantly sucking them off at all times Ew. <laughs> it's disgusting <laughs> fucking slaneshi chaos marines man they need a bar i, mean, I understand because slanesh like ew. I know. Yeah. Ew. I just found it funny. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah I love it. I think it's ingenious. I think it's really clever and it's really fitting. But at the same time, ew, ew Josh, ew. You get so <laughs> sticky so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you you know how sticky feels? Oh please oh. please. <laughs> oh no. I don't. I wonder if that if it's better or worse than the constant consumption of knob cheese the power armor is doing. Ugh. No. What? Don't ask what? me. You don't want to know. 
Ask us after the recording. After the, all of the horrible things that I have to know about this goddamn. <laughs> I'm this I'm not ex- I'm not explaining what knob cheese is to you, Big. Why not, Mori? <laughs> not on this recording. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the one of the issues with the word bearers is that they were they out of all of the Primarchs and all of the Legions, they had the slowest rate of progress. They took the longest to take each planet one after another. Uh, they were proselytizing the entire time? Yes, yes, they were. I they did not hear slowest... proselytizing. I did you heard not... prostating, didn't you? No, I heard prostituting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they... same thing. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were proselytizing the entire time. They were, they had the slowest rate of compliance because that's what it was called as the Imperium was spreading, they would gradually bring a world into compliance. They took the longest, but they had the highest, like, successful conversion rate, if that makes sense. But they were, the entire Legion were purely fanatics. Zealots to the extreme. And eventually... They are quite literally... Hey, do you have time to talk about the Lord and Saviour, the God Emperor? Exactly, exactly. Space Mormons. Yeah, they're, they're fucking Space Mormons. Eventually, the Emperor got bored and pissed off with this. He took Rubik's Cube and the entire 13th Legion to a planet called Monarchia. And Monarchia was one of the earliest planets that Lorgar and the Wordbearers conquered. And it was Lorgar's masterpiece. He had spent literal decades at this point. Um, door to door. Hello, have you heard about our Lord and Savior? He'd spent literal decades building this one world. It was his magnum opus in the entire sectors, in the entire chunk of the galaxy that Lorgar and the Wordbearers had conquered. Monarchia was the crown jewel of all of his achievements. It was a paradise world. And as punishment for his failure, the Emperor had Rubik's Cube and the 13th evacuate Monarchia and burn the planet to ash. Here I thought they were going to go all Death Star and just destroy the entire planet as a whole. No, no. They made sure to evacuate all of the civilians and the people. No one died in this. But Lorgar's work of several decades, his crown jewel in his entire mini-empire, reduced to ash and rubble. And in evacuating, they allowed the people with the faith to survive. And they made Lorgar and his entire legion kneel in front of Roboat and the Emperor, and to look <laughs> to them as an example of what a good legion should be doing. You know now, what? Go on. Do, you know how... If you like, parents will tell you, "Hey, like parenting doesn't come in. Uh, 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 you don't get a book when you become a parent." And a lot of like asshole parents use that as an excuse to be assholes. Mm. But honest to God, the God Emperor of mankind, Big E, with all his infinite knowledge and wisdom, he should have probably popped to the works to pick up some of those parenting books you see on the shelves just to get a vague idea on how to be a decent fucking father. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, and then he, he wonders why his kids somewhere. all had rebellious phases. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. 
After this, Logar went into seclusion for a month. Uh, he would only speak to Corpheron, who at this point had been uh, modified. He wasn't a space marine, but he was a heavily modified human, and he was still high-ranking captain in the Wordbearer's Legion. And his first chaplain, the the basically his highest lieutenant, who was a, a Stathis called Erebus. <laughs> Erebus... Is also known as the Arch Corrupter, and I think he is the person that I hate most in the entire setting, with Lorgar being second and Russ third. So translate okay. that to Mori's best friend. Mm. Mm. <laughs> because Erebus was, ad- even after being brought into the Astartes and the Wordbearers, Erebus was a devout believer in the Old Faiths, and as they travelled between more worlds and they found more connections to the Old Faiths and to the actual Chaos Gods, Erebus, by the time of the burning of Menarchia, Erebus was, like, in secret, wholly dedicated to Chaos. So the entire Legion had just been publicly humiliated and fucking basically bent over the knee and spanked by dad. Um, mm, it's never and they didn't experience. have a mom to go crying to. Yeah, basically Erebus kind of went up to Lorgar while he was in seclusion and said, so the Emperor doesn't like us uh, and he doesn't want to be a god. I've got some gods for you. So, gods am I right? So... <laughs> So, cults, am I right? (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, basically. Uh, Lorgar stays in seclusion for about a month. He comes out, and then after that, he starts working on his new masterpiece. His The Book of Lorgar is what it was called. And basically, from the inside out, from the top down, the entire Wordbearer's Legion just steadily becomes more and more corrupted by chaos, heretical beliefs. And after this, they start taking worlds, just conquering them one after another, after another, after another, after another, at a horrifyingly rapid pace. They go from the slowest legion to one of the fastest, just being hyper-aggressive the entire time. So, I was wrong. Um, earlier they were evangelicals, and now they're turning into Mormons. Yeah, you're- now they're Jehovah's. Mm, They were Mormons, now they're Jehovah's. That's- you're right, they're worse. Yeah. But I love the piss takes of those religions. Yeah. A couple interesting points about Lorgar's name before we move on from him. The Lorgar province is a area in Afghanistan that during the Soviet-Afghan war was known as the Gates of Jihad due to the truly horrifyingly large amount of violence that took place there. Additionally, Aurelian was a Roman emperor who, like Lorgar, was raised in very impoverished conditions but eventually came to rule an empire, and Lorgar's title the Urizen, or the Urizen, uh, which is what he is known as in, like, a religious context. He is the the Urizen, is a reference to a god from the books by William Blake, the, the English philosopher and poet. And ironically enough, Urizen is in that Urizen is the god of wisdom and, like, true logical higher understanding. Hmm. Which is all a just, bit of a piss take. Yeah. yeah. Just to like round off Lorgar and add some of my own personal sad news. My tea has gone cold. Oh no. I am now sad. Oh no. Prosecute it for heresy. Ah shit. How the fuck, Maury, do I prosecute I... my 
cup of tea. I've already innocence I've already... proves nothing. I've already That's... peeled it. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, just to finish Logar off, I also I regularly refer to him as that handsome Squidward looking ass motherfucker because of that picture. <sighs> so that's who that is. Okay. Yeah, Logar is the handsome Squidward ass motherfucker. All right. Cool. No. After Logar, though, we have one of my my least favorites, and it's mainly due to the depiction of them. Can we just say? I think I've heard you say that like four or five times. Oh no! It's it's not even that I hate the Khan. It's that I think the Khan is poorly done. Because this is the next one. This is Jagatai Khan. He, for all the props and the pros that I have given Games Workshop, like back in the eighties for making these. Nick and the Primarchs of them law and becoming rather interesting and different with their with their law. Like Sanguinius isn't just isn't a fan of fandom Jesus figure, he's a canon Jesus figure and everything like that. And we get this guy. Yeah. My my issue with the Khan is that he is he's literally just Genghis Khan. Uh, do you want to know a fun fact about Genghis Khan? Are there any fun facts about Genghis Khan? You can still have fun facts about someone, even if he was probably one of the worst people in human history. Go for it, then. Uh, his name is actually pronounced Chingus. It's, 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 it's not Genghis, that's the uh, anglicised version. It's uh, Chingus Khan. Chingus Khan. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, I bl- yeah. Okay. That... I think I'm saying that right. Chingus Han, silent K. Yeah, I oh, know it's not. I I know it's not Genghis. Genghis is very much the painfully anglicized version of it. Yeah, yeah. or Genghis. Oh no. Chingus oh. Chingus Han. Chingus Han. That's Genghis. interesting. Um. Yeah. Yagatai grew up on a planet called Chagoris, and yeah, there's there isn't really much to say about this one. Unfortunately, <laughs> he was found by. A nomadic tribe of warrior horse horse herders, uh, taken in, adopted, grew up, became a warlord amongst them, uh, became a very good warlord amongst them, united the entire plains people, and then basically just kind of like conquered the planet and brought it all under his empire. Did a pretty good job of it, got found by the emperor, got put in command of the White Scars Legion. And it's it's... I've seen the White Scars in the books once, and in the books they all have very Asian accents. Mm. And it's just, there's obviously no issue with having, like, the Asian representation. The is- uh, it's, it's, it's just quite heavily handed and poorly done. Yeah, the, the issue the isn't, the, represent- it isn't the representation, it's how it's portrayed. Like, yeah. you, whereas every other, like, character every other primarch has a bit of nuance you yeah you've just you've made the mongols you haven't actually changed them much you've put them on horses made them fast and warriors and you've made the mongols you've made them quickly take over the planet you've made the mongols and i'm disappointed yeah (laughs) they are literally just just the mongols also leaning into racial stereotypes as well yeah Mm, yeah which is an issue I think the newer stuff with the White Scars and the Khan isn't that bad, but... uh... (sighs) The Khan himself as a character isn't actually that bad. He does have some very, very good moments. He's also referred to as the Warhawk. Um, 
he has quite possibly the the greatest fuck you line in the entire setting, which I think I sent to you before. It's a conversation between the Khan and Fulgrim. Fulgrim says something about how the the Khan just wants to whiz off into the stars on their uh, like their amusing little jet bikes. Wonderful little things. Say, Khan, I hear you do strange things to your vehicles and your ships. To which the Khan's response is, I hear you do strange things to your warriors. Mm. And that's... <laughs> Shot, fired, wound, and did um, max damage. Max Shot damage. through the heart! <laughs> <laughs> The Khan, the Khan and Fulgrim did not get on with each other because the Khan thought that Fulgrim was a peacock and he f- thought that he was... he. I wouldn't say he hated him, but they did not get on. Oh, <laughs> I can respect why. that. Yeah, I can totally respect that. Um, the Khan is very much a he-does-not-fuck-around kind of person. At one point, Fulgrim challenged him to an honor duel and the Khan declined out of respect for what little honor Fulgrim still had left. Damn. (laughs) Iconic. (laughs) Which is, he does have some very fucking good lines. Something that I find really interesting about, like, if you play the White Scars Legion, the Fifth Legion, in tabletop, is where, obviously, like, the Khan and his men all used horses and shit because they were Mongols, um, the White Scars have very few infantry options available in the game, and a lot of their shit is on motorbikes. They're, <laughs> like, they're the, the fast attack, basically. If you, if you want zoomy zoomy bike Imperial army, get the Fifth Legion. <laughs> yeah, White Scars are one of the fastest armies in the entire game, because 90% is... of their shit is on motorbikes. They literally just became super soldiers, and then where they couldn't super soldier the horses, they traded them for fucking motorbikes with cannons mounted on them. I'm really surprised they didn't try to super soldier the horses. It would have been funny. <laughs> it's like I the guy like from Elden Ring. Failed. Yeah. The, the guy from Elden Ring who, like, what, learns gravitational magic? Just yeah. Squash his horn. Bing, did you do you know about Radan from Elden Ring? Yes, I know about Radan. Yeah. There is actually a fantastic piece of fan art. I tried to find it, but I couldn't. There was a fantastic piece of fan art of the Khan sat in one of his like pavilion tents next to his childhood horse, and like oh. the horse is all curled up and sat down and just vibing. But obviously, it's so tiny compared to him. <laughs> And he's Aww. he he kept it with them because he very quickly got too large to ride it into battle. Oh, baby, <laughs> the poor horse. But I appreciate that it's loved. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the Khan. The White Scars and the 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 Fifth Legion have some representation issues, but. Or not even representation issues, but presentation issues. But, like, the Khan himself is cool, and the Legion does do some cool stuff. I think the White Scars book is actually the next one that I've got to read after uh, after the one I'm currently on. So I'm, Yay, I'm kind of looking forward to that a little bit. Yeah. So, again, does he live, and does he have a figurine, if not a mini? He's missing presumed alive though Ooh. 
because isn't basically, like, gone. Isn't he like one of the only ones that's missing, presumed alive? Doesn't he? Oh wait, isn't he the one who just after everything happens, he just goes, "All right, peace, I'm out." Basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> The Khan took, like, a good chunk of what was left of his legion, I think, put all of them on hoverbikes, and then just disappeared into the Eldar webway. Damn. But, like, where the webway is an infinite, galaxy-wide, labyrinthine dimensional space, he disappeared, like, 8,000, 9,000 years ago. No one has seen him since. Like, for all we know, he could be in the webway. He could have gotten out. We have no idea. Like he we think he's just spent vampires. Yeah, we think he's just spent <laughs> the entire time basically going like the 3D Sonic games through the webway at max speed just kicking the shit out of any Drakari uh, dark eldar that he finds in there. <laughs> I mean, that would be funny. Yeah. yeah. He's he's alive we think we're almost certain he's alive, but he's not expected to come back anytime soon. Why would like, he? Like we have Gearman, and the lion is... Odds on, it's almost like a 100% chance that the lion mini is going to be officially confirmed next month. Next month? Probably. We're looking oh. at we're looking at the early earliest releases of 10th edition uh, by the end of this We've year. We just had 9th edition! Acorn 9th edition came out like four years ago. Four or five years ago. No! 9th edition came out before... Uh, COVID. Okay, I apologise. My orcs have only just got their ninth edition, so it wasn't too long ago that I yeah, got my ninth. Yeah, but exactly. So your ninth edition codex will stay valid for the orcs until a tenth edition one comes out. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying that one. I'm just gonna find a PDF online. It'll be on Waha. Valid. It's fine. Yeah, I I bought the last one. Um, I, no, no. Yeah. I don't get enough use out of it, man. <laughs> Like, the codexes are a fucking scam. They are fantastic for the art and the lore that's in them, and for just having a quick reference thing. If you have the money and you want to collect the books, do it. But yeah. all of the information is online for free. It's a fucking scam. It's like buying D&D books. Yeah. You have my D&D book. I do, and I still get use out of it. I have never read it. You're welcome to. <laughs> no. Um... um... I got my father to pay for that one, so I scammed him out of his money. Woo! Yeah! But yeah, it's... They are... He's he's missing. Um, Presumed having a time of his fucking life. Yeah, presumed having a bit (laughs) of a time riding around. Next, after Jagatai, though... And this is actually going to be quite a jump. So, between Mortarian and Lorgar, there was three years. Lorgar was in 857 M30 that he was found... Jagatai wasn't found until 865 M30, which I think is one of the largest gaps, if not the largest gap, uh, since the gap between Horus and Rus, which was about 18 years. Hmm. This is the first time it's gotten more than, like, a few years, basically. Um, but then between Jagatai and the next one, the next Primarch wasn't found until 896 M30. And this would be Conrad Kurzer. Batman, 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 Batman. Bing, have you ever seen The Batman Who Laughs? I have not, actually. I I would say go to Google Images real quick and check The Batman Who Laughs. Basically, he is an alternate universe Bruce Wayne who ended up, after the Joker 
nuked a city. He killed the Joker and then, like, basically got infected with a fear virus. With with a Joker toxin virus. That is... Cursed. Yeah, which, like, you know how scary Batman is in lore, like, how intelligent he is and how fucking, like, Batman always wins given prep time, it's all of that shit. Yeah. Batman, but with the full, like, psychotic, violent version of the Joker, like, unlocked in his psyche. <laughs> that's that's the Batman who laughs, and that's basically Conrad Kurzer. I, I'm... I... I know I've called this guy Batman in like at least the last like two episodes, not including this one. So I'm so looking forward to everyone hearing exactly why. <laughs> Conrad Kurzer did not have the name Conrad Kurzer until the Emperor found him, which is, bear in mind, he was found in 896, so he was alive and about for over a century almost until he was eventually found he did not have a name until the emperor found him and gave him his name at which point up until that point conrad had been using the name the night haunter Ooh, definitely not a batman reference at all <laughs> conrad is the edgiest motherfucker alive and interestingly conrad enough, alive no actually <laughs> wait though so, yeah no i thought he was no, no. Interestingly enough, Conrad is the only Primarch to have not been killed by another Primarch or the Emperor themselves. I oh. thought he was... Who's the giant raven monster then? That's that's Corvus. Oh, okay. Yeah, shit. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's... The giant raven monster is Corvus Corax of the Raven Guard. <laughs> huh. I wonder, I wonder why, Corvus! <laughs> yep. I don't have a single, this is why I'm an orc player, I don't have a working brain cell, I have charge melee. That's a ch- a daka charge melee, thank you very much. No, no, my, I don't daka. Oh, okay. That's too many brain cells. Uh, Bing, daka is the orcish word for bullets, basically. Okay. It's also so interchangeably it's... used for anything positive. Yeah, um, it's, it's, when in doubt, more ducker. Ducker, 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 ducker. Ducker, 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 ducker. I actually don't have any ducker weapons on my kit at the moment. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. Oh, that's I think you need to get more ducker. You do need more ducker. There's never enough When ducker. in doubt, more ducker. More ducker. Um, Conrad landed on a planet called Nostromo. And Nostromo was a hyper-industrialized world where, because the atmosphere was so thick and smogged and polluted, there was never any sun. Like, not directly, not properly. I think they had, like, decent technology. They had, like, low-level extraplanetary travel, like, maybe to the neighboring planets or, like, the moons and shit, but not much beyond that. Oh, was that a tiny little sneeze? (laughs) Bing? They're plotting my my murder, it's okay. Bing sneezes like a kid and it's adorable. Moving on! Sauntering (laughs) swiftly downwards. (laughs) Conrad, Conrad, yeah, it's the role, no sun, hyper-industrialized hellhole, ridiculously high crime rate. Like, it was a incredibly brutal, incredibly gothic, incredibly dark, grim, depressing shithole of a planet basically like it's 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 literally just the worst versions of gotham 
in the the edgiest stories in the edgier comics. Um, Conrad actually didn't have an adoptive family. Conrad was raised. Conrad raised himself on the streets, basically. It do you want, had no do, Alfred. He had no Alfred. It's yeah. a, it's a stereotype. Like, oh, you play a rogue in D and D. How was your childhood on the streets? Yeah. Oh, you're Conrad Cursor. How was your childhood on the streets for those ten days that you were a child? Yeah. Like Conrad lived and survived by. He would hunt and eat, like, street rats and, and gutter rats and stray cats and shit like that. Uh, fun fact, you shouldn't eat cat meat yeah, because Yeah, I know, they... because it's an obligate carnivore. Yeah, they're not yeah, obligate you shouldn't eat carnivore meat anyway. from an obligate carnivore. It's it's a bad idea. They... they can get the diseases from the things that they eat, and then you can contract those diseases. Yeah, prions! Whee! Something tells me it didn't affect Conrad because he was already too fucked up. Yeah, yeah, completely fucking <laughs> insane. Conrad actually, ironically, manages to quite firmly take the place as the most insane Primarch, which is saying something. Yeah, I think that says a little something considering who we've met. Mm, or at because least who Conrad. I've met is one of the three Primarchs with active psychic capability. And much mm. like Sanguinius, he was he had a very potent gift of foresight and future sight. Unlike Sanguinius, where it was largely just a beneficial power, for Conrad, it was non-stop, never-ending, waking and sleeping nightmarish visions of his own deaths. Huh. Deaths plural? Yes. Everything that could happen to him. Whereas... It's like Sanguinius got, this is how you will die. Conrad and gets, hey, you stubbed your toe last week? Yeah, you're dead now. Anything. Yeah. This is how you could die multiple, multiple Any possible times. variation of how anything could potentially kill him if he does not take actions against it. Mm. Yeah. Amongst other things, it wasn't just his deaths, but, like, a lot of it was. So, understandably, a child raised alone in the gutters and alleys of a world like Nostromo with visions like that. He went fucking nuts, and he decided, he named himself the Night Haunter, and he decided that it was his role to bring justice to Nostromo. And the way he went about doing this is by enforcing the law. There's law? There is law. And there are criminals. If you break a law, any law, for any reason, in any capacity, Conrad Kurzer would find you, he would skin you alive, and he would hang you in the street. You jaywalk, you get skinned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Literally any violation of any law and Kurzer you... will torture you in the most horrible ways imaginable and string you up to bleed out in the street. Alignment, lawful evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, firmly. Sorry, Akon, were you going to say something? Uh, maybe. I can't remember. What a mood, honestly. Ironically, Kurza actually managed to bring the crime rate on Nostromo down to basically zero. Because he killed everyone who committed a crime! Yeah. Like, eventually he just rocked up to the, to the, like, the Senate building, basically. Locked himself in there, came out three days later with, like, 80 severed human faces. Declared himself king of Nostromo, continued to rule Nostromo for the next, like, 70 years until the Emperor found him. 
Can we just talk about, like, it's going to sound really weird, but in my, what a sentence. Like, 87 human faces, <laughs> not heads. He didn't, you know, he, 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 not the heads, not the severed head, severed human faces. Yeah. There's there's a running joke in the, the community, especially in the Night Lords fandom, it, I that like I, th- I think it, part of it comes from the fucking Adeptus Ridiculous, which is a very good show, but it's like they will just collect human scrotes and stitch them together into clothes. Okay, that's gonna take so much ironing. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who has a Night Lord's tattoo, actually, <laughs> which is it's 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 just uh Seb. He's one of the guys from the game shop. He it's like a, a skull with bat wings, basically. Oh my god. Like, that's their insignia, that's their icon. Um, when when Kurza got found and the Emperor greeted him, Kurza already knew who he was, and he knew what was going to happen. Kurza potentially knew about the, the heresy, the Horus heresy in the Civil War before anyone else did. I think he accepted the Emperor's, like, welcome with relative peace, but when the Emperor named him Conrad Kurza to give him his name, Kurza denied it. And he said, no, father, I am the Night Haunter. Which, again, is edgy bit shit. He got put in command of the 8th Legion, the Night Lords, as he renamed them to. And he started out on their campaign of conquest. Except, basically, the second Conrad left Nostromo, where they were supposed to be recruiting from, like, the, the best of the best potential neophytes from Nostromo, the second he wasn't there... They just started sending him all of their, like, shittiest dregs of society, just to get them off-world, basically. Yeah, I can see that. So, paired with Kurz's own batshit crazy lawful evil fucking identity, plus the fact that all of their new recruits coming in were, like, the wasteful dregs of society, the Night Lord's Legion very quickly became not good, to say the least. Like, they are known to attack a city kidnap every single person in that city, skin them alive, and then drop the bodies from orbit over civilian uh, emplacements as a terror tactic. That sounds like a war crime. Yeah. Sounds like like several war crimes. (laughs) Entire planets would surrender upon being told that the Night Lords were being deployed to their front. Because they would rather surrender and take the guaranteed execution than fight and take the potential of having to face them. Which is honestly quite impressive. Yeah, nah fam, fuck that shit. Fuck that noise. So yeah, Night Lords are hyper-terrorists. And Kurza was actually, I, th- I want to say he was the second Primarch to die after Ferris Menace. So how did this Sorry. one die, since you said he was the only one who didn't die to either another Primarch or the God Emperor himself? Hang on. Sorry, very quickly. Surely Go. he's the second and a half Primarch to die. Who was the other half? Stab. Okay. Yes, <laughs> technically. But Horus didn't actually die. He was brought you know to what? near death. I was trying to be really careful with the limited spoilers because, you know, thing doesn't know a lot. I was trying to be really sneaky, really careful, just kind of get that idea in your brain and only your brain. And then we're always like, oh, spoilers. I'm s- okay. It's not technically spoilers. We, we've been over the fact that 
Horace betrays. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know we've been over that fact. Maury did similar to me last night playing D&D. Me, I want to talk to my familiar. My familiar. Bye! I'm so (laughs) sorry! (laughs) That was very funny. Yeah. He he had a job to do. Um... He was he was assassinated by by a regular imperial assassin. Huh. I'm I'm sure he saw it coming. He did. He let it happen. He didn't want to fight. That I is think very he was fair. tired, which he, I would be too, to be he honest. It, honestly. Yeah. But following Conrad, only three years later, actually, we have the Primarch of the seventh legion no not the seventh the twelfth legion sorry angron the baby oh this isn't fair i already have tears in my eyes yeah angron is the primarch of the twelfth legion uh originally the twelfth legion was referred to as the warhounds and after angron took hold of it he renamed them to the world eaters angron landed on a planet called nuceria where, as a young child, he was taken in as a slave, and he was turned into a gladiator, and he was made to fight. I he... understand why you got uh, the other guy and Angron messed up. They both have the, the hair wigglies. Yeah, they, they both bo- have yeah, the he- head they cables. They both have yeah. heckin' wiggles. Yeah, Putarabo and Angron both have the head cables. Um... With Angron, he was turned into a gladiator because, like, obviously he was a fucking Primarch. He made for a very good fucking show. And he was forced to fight. Bear in mind, Angron wasn't discovered until 899M30. And the Great Crusade started somewhere around the year 800. Or just before. So he was not found for at least a hundred years. Yeah, over a century. Of that. He was taken as a slave, and he was made into a gladiator, and he was forced to fight, and fight, and fight, and kill. And at one point, during one of his bigger games, when he was tasked to fight a championship match against, effectively, his adoptive father, a very experienced gladiator who looked after him and raised him for many years in the pits, and looked after them and made sure that they were safe and understood. Like, he didn't need looking after physically, but he was a companion. Yeah, emotionally. After he refused to fight his adoptive father, they forcibly submitted him to a augmentative surgery to implant something in his brain called butcher's nails. Butcher's nails I are can't a very imagine that's good. They aren't. They are very rudimentary, very brutal neurological augmentation that raises aggression, anger, and reduces inhibitions and limitations while directly connecting your pleasure centers of the brain to your adrenal response and your violence response. Hmm. And from this, Angron was made to kill his adoptive father. With the rest of his gladiators, however many years, he stayed fighting for god knows how long, just kept down, imprisoned, kept fighting. But eventually, with all of his gladiators, with the men and women that he had reliably at his back as an incredibly well-trained fighting force when you think about it. Yeah. They've all been fighting together and against each other for how long? Exactly. Decades. Some of them for generations and Angron being there for over a full century of gladiators. He led a Spartacus-esque slave revolt, where him and his broke free and raised an entire city on their way to freedom out of Nusa- out of the city that they were kept in. 
where their small army of freed gladiators and freed men ran for the mountains where they could run and hide and try and be free. And obviously the government didn't like that very much, so they sent a massive fuck-off army to hunt them down and wipe them out. Oh, is Angron? Oh. And as Angron and his men and women, his brothers and sisters in arms, the people that he had fought and lived and died alongside for the last century, were in their little mountain hideaway preparing, watching as this unstoppable army approaches them. The Emperor arrives, and he beams down to camp, and he tries to talk to Angron and say, You are my son. I am here to, to bring you home and to have you join the Imperium as your rightful place at, at my side. To which You're Angron, not my dad. I killed Angron my dad. Says, <laughs> basically, Angron says, fuck off, I'm busy, I don't care, get fucked, cunt. And then walks back to continue with the defences. Yeah, yeah. Which is an understandable reaction. Yeah. And the Emperor's response to this is to return back to his flagship and then... Beam Angron, a uh, teleportarium Angron, up to the bridge and kidnap him. Yeah, Angron. Angron was his men's only chance at dying fairly, at least. With Angron by their side, it would have been a massacre, but it would have been a fair fight. Yeah. They would have died, All... but they would have had a chance. Yeah. All the Emperor had to do was take Angron and his men. Yeah. Not even that, they wouldn't even need to have done that, because they they beamed Angron up to the bridge. I think Angron obviously immediately lost his shit. I think he killed a custodes, yeah, actually. He, yeah. Um, like, one of the Emperor's personal guards, which is one of the first times that you ever really see a custodian die, which is impressive by itself. Um, and then they teleport Angron again to the flat, to the bridge of... The flagship of the Warhounds, Angron's Legion, and he waits, locked in a room, basically, on his own flagship, as he knows that down on the planet's surface below, his men are dying without him. And he promised that he would help them, and he promised that he would fight with them to the last. And he knew that below him, they were dying without him. And he had simply disappeared at the last moment before they needed him. Like... It would have made so much sense for them for to be like, yeah, we can take your men. They can join your legion. Yeah, like the lion did with Luther and his captains, where they became augmented soldiers who were a part of the legion, but not space marines, because they were valued for their experience and skill, like Lorgar did with Corferon and his men, like uh, Rowboat did with like all of his men from his army. They could have done so much, and they would have been such a valuable resource to the Legion. Not only that, but if they had done so, if they had saved Angron's men, and they had given them their peace and their opportunity to be those free men, then they would have bought the undying loyalty of arguably one of, if not the single most dangerous Primarch. But no! When... The Emperor had to be a dick. Yeah. He wouldn't have even had to take all of the men in the first place. They could have just drop-potted some space marines down and the custodies and the emperor himself and helped defend them. And it would have been an easily successful fight. Yeah. While Angron was on the, the bridge of his ship... I don't think it was the bridge. It was like a meeting room on the Conqueror, on the flagship for the, for the Warhounds. The 
first captain of the Warhounds Legion went down to speak to him, and Angron ripped him limb from limb. Literally. Literally. Yeah. About 20 minutes later, they sent down the new captain commander of the <laughs> Legion. <laughs> Because that's a great idea. He just ripped someone limb from limb. Let's send him another person to rip up. Uh, and they heard screaming and the sound of ripping muscle and meat and power armor being torn clean open. And then they promoted the next guy up to Captain Commander of the Legion. And they did this seven times. Until eventually a man named Khan, who at the time, originally, up until two hours prior, had been the captain of the 8th company of the Warhouse Legion, and was now captain commander of the entire Legion, because all the other captains had been killed. (laughs) Um, Khan went down... And this is in a short story that I read, like, a month or two ago. Like, it's it's about, like, an hour long. And the entire story, like, Khan walks down. The entire room is dark because Angron has destroyed all of the lights. And he is... Have you ever seen um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No. I believe so. Uh, what about the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing film? Yeah, no. Damn. Okay. Uh, Akron, <laughs> you'll get this then. You know the way that, um, Jekyll... Mr. Hyde, sorry, at the start of that is, like, moving around by, like, swinging around on the rafters. Yeah. That. Angron's basically doing that. Like, he's just swinging around the room by gripping the walls, appearing from the darkness, grabbing Khan by the shin, and then just Hulk slamming him against the floor a few times. And it is just a full hour of Angron just appearing and disappearing from the darkness, repeatedly kicking the shit out of Khan while he refuses to fight back, while Khan tries to explain to Angron that he is A, their gene father, B, their new commander, and C, that Khan is his new lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just an hour of him kicking the shit out of Khan. (laughs) It's, it's, It's Hulk smash. The scene with Loki, except yeah. Loki keeps talking. <laughs> except Loki is the size of the Hulk, and the the Hulk is getting Hulk smashed by Thanos. Yeah, like that's oh, that's God. what it is. I can't help but like think it's like so you're you're like ah, and the back of my back. Okay, so you're uh, and I'm down again. Okay, yep. so you're our uh, command yeah. and I'm down again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dad, stop. <laughs> Like, he, he almost kills Khan. He snaps both of his legs. He almost rips one of his arms out. I, I'm pretty sure he punctures one of his lungs and ruptures oh, one of same. Khan's hearts. Ah, um, not same. Yeah. Like, he, Can we just he... talk about how one of his lungs, he has two others. He's fine. One yeah. of his hearts. Fun fact, Bing, space marines have three lungs and two hearts. Okay. They also Why? have an... They also have a pre-stomach for... for like neutralizing toxins and dangerous materials before they try to digest it, a second set of kidneys, and an extra liver. Angron, occasionally I will see like alternate universe loyalist Angron fan art, and they could have been so good. He could have been one of the greatest, I think. Like, here's the, here's the thing Big E wouldn't have needed even. Like, you wouldn't need Big E or the Kasodis to go down the planet. Just drop pod. Like, one squad of fucking marines, and just, it's one of the biggest fuck-ups that the Emperor does. Yeah. 
if if you pin down the whole of the the heresy, you can pin it down to what like four mistakes. Yeah. Usually that the big E does, and this is one of them. Yeah, it's this. That is one of those singular defining moments that would have, if it had been handled better, saved literally trillions of human lives. But no, big E had to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Following, we actually only have two more Primarchs left. Three, but one of those is the 11th, and we have already spoken about the 11th. Because <laughs> the 11th is, it's the 11th and the 2nd are the two missing Primarchs. They are redacted. Yeah. The next one that follows after Angron, and this comes... Angron was found 899M30. Corvus Corax was the third from last Primarch to be found, and he was found in the year 922, so 23 years after Angron was relocated. Corvus grew up on a prison mining colony? Basically, like, he crashed on a prison mining colony called Deliverance. And I say prison colony like a, like a, almost a slave labor penal colony, basically. What the, um, what England tried to do to fucking Australia. Yeah, Mm. yeah, basically. He grew up on Space Australia. (laughs) Sorry. I love that. He was horrible. I was trying to make it, like, a serious point. And no, no, it's, like, it's a good point. It's a good point. It yeah, works. I know, but the word space Australia are not anywhere serious, and it <laughs> makes me think of humans are space orcs, okay? Uh, I love those memes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. He, he grew up on a mining penal colony called Deliverance. He was found by, like, by the prisoner colonists, by the, um, by the miners, and they found the infant Korax, and they were like, this child is something special, we need to hide them and protect them and keep them safe. And Korax... Fucking megamind. Yeah, basically, they megaminded him. Uh, Korax was brought into their numbers, he grew up, they taught him, educated him. Korax is one of the nicer ones. He's very quiet, he's very standoffish, he's very emo. I like Korax. I could not tell <laughs> by the identifying with fucking crows and ravens. Yeah. He... Korax is a freedom fighter. Like, Korax's entire thing is that he is a an anti-dictator, anti-dictatorship freedom fighter. He spent most of his time, after he grew up, working to help the, basically, the resistance on the mining colony, um, collect resources and overthrow the dictators who were, like, working them to death, basically. And because of this, he and later his legion, the Raven Guard, specialize very heavily in incredibly talented guerrilla tactics and stealth tactics. Like Korax and the Raven Guard are the are probably the stealthiest of the Space Marines, tied with the Alpha Legion. They strike from the shadows. Yes. In fact, it's noted that the Raven Guard are capable of doing something called shade stepping, where it appears that they almost disappear and then reappear a distance away as they've been running. They have misty That's step. That's so fucking edgy. Yeah. They, yeah, they have Misty Step, and yeah, it's very edgy. It's unconfirmed as to whether or not it's actually a like semi-psychic ability that the Legion and Korax have, or whether or not it is a uh, just a culmination of the masterful level of stealth and 
camouflage technology that they have available. I would love to see someone who has uh, an army of these and they just have them painted like bright neon pink. I love the successor chapter of the Raven Garden. They're all just bright pink. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually Korax liberated Deliverance and he made it better for the people. He enabled them to self-govern, all of that. It became a pretty good place and he just kind of helped keep it all safe basically up until 922 m30 where he was found put in command of the raven guard and was made the primarch of the 19th legion five years off oh actually a point is to specify where the fuck korax is at the moment he is a loyalist primarch and i use that word loosely (laughs) he is alive but at some point, after the tr- heresy failed, quote-unquote, and the traitor <laughs> Primarchs fled to hide inside the Eye of Terror, Corvus went to hunt them down personally? And since then, Corvus has become a horrifically mutated shadow demon chaos warp entity. This is each day constantly hunting and tracking the chaos primarchs, specifically Logar. I feel like the inner edginess of him really loves that. Yeah, yeah. Quite. I just, I, I really, huh? Quite. Sorry, Karen. Oh, I thought you said the sea bomb and I was like, what? I thought we no. liked him. We like him. Yeah, we he's, like Corvus. A, Corvus is cool. He's a good boy. Well, he's a he's a boy. Well, he's a bird. Well, he's something. I love the idea. Something, but we like him. Bumps into a demon Prynarch and goes, "Hello, brother." Yes, yes. I've just found a meme of that exact fucking line. Ah, yes, yes. There we go. <laughs> so, firstly, that's not an official mini, but that is a kit bash of a Corvus Corax mini. Secondly, good meme. And then thirdly, hello, brother. <laughs> uh, I love that he's like biblically accurate Angel Doge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shadow Demon Korax. Five years after Korax was found and brought into the, into the Imperial Creed, in 927 M30, the 11th was found. And much like the 2nd, the 11th has also been expunged from all Imperial records. However, we have one interesting theory about who, or at the very least, what the final fate of the 11th was. Beneath the Imperial Palace on Terra, there is a section of tunnels that are referred to as the Dark Cells. Now, bear in mind, the palace on Terra is the size of a small to medium country. The Vatican. No, 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 I mean, like... It's like the size of Germany. Yes, but it's like the Vatican, but like Germany size. Oh, yeah, it's it's a city-state in itself, but the city is the size of a full-size country, so yeah. Um, underneath the palace, there's something called the Dark Cells, and these run deep, 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 deep into the earth. And they are basically the personal prison that the custodies use for things that they either can't kill... Or deem too dangerous but too important to be allowed into the wider Imperium, but too useful or too important to just destroy. These, inside the Dark Cells, there are entire greater demons that have been bound and sealed down there. There are, like, 
Dark Age of Technology era super weapon technologies that have been locked away and hidden away. And one thing that we know is in there. We, we know very, 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 very little about any of the actual shit in there besides like occasionally some of their names or brief references to them. But we know that one of the cells contains something called Subject 11. Except it's spelt Subject XI. Coincidence? I, I think, think not! not. <laughs> So a lot of people think that Subject 11 is the missing 11th Primarch, which is who is locked away inside the Dark Cells for some reason, and has been for the last 10 millennia. Turns out they were already a demon. Potentially, we don't know. It's I find it very interesting that they referred to as Subject 11. Got some like SCP vibes. Yeah. yeah. Since uh, also, we have the idea, if they decide that they want to have Subject 11 escape, and it does happen to be a Primarch, what does that mean for the other things that are locked and sealed up there? Will they have the potential to escape as well? Oh, Or be oh, broken out by um, Subject 11? What? So, the, uh, the Dark Cells are patrolled constantly by the Custodes. Um, we figure. When the galaxy got kind of ripped in half, like with the map of the Eye of Terror and the expanded section where the galaxy got ripped in half at a later point by mm -hmm. warp storms, like permanently torn in half in reality, um, it kind of sent a set of shockwaves, so like it kind of fucked up the entire galaxy for a little while, but like after the Sictrix Maledictum opened, which is the name for the Great Rift, the tear in the galaxy... Uh, the next time they went through and did, like, a full patrol to check everything, a lot of the dark cells were just empty. Huh. We know Subject 11 is still in there, though, but a lot of shit did disappear and get out. And we just don't know what it is, where it is, how it is. Uh, actually, it's what? become a big thing for a lot of the Custodes stories is sections of the Custodes shield host, basically the sub-faction of the Custodes within their number that specifically serves the Dark Cells. Um, they're called the Shadow Keepers. The Shadow Keepers rarely, if ever, ever, ever leave the Dark Cells, but for, for the... For the English. For the first time in a very long time, they are now l spending more time off terror than they are on terror, as they are just going everywhere trying to track down and recapture all of the shit that they lost, basically. Why? That gives me such vibes of Primark Hunt 2 Electric Boogaloo! Boogaloo! <laughs> Especially if Eleven, if Eleven is there and Eleven ever comes out, like ever breaks out, I, I'm going to have to call it Primark Hunt Two Electric Boogaloo. Oh, absolutely! I'd be really interested to see what they do, but I don't think they're going to. I think it's just like a little bit of a teaser that he's present, you know. Yeah. I always like to think that the second and the eleventh were like the women Primarchs or the trans Primarchs, and that's why we just don't have any fem marines at the moment. It would make sense. Yeah, but also I just say fuck that anyway and just include femmarines in my own lore as standard because fuck it, yeah. canon is what we make it. Um, yeah. The 11th was found in 927 M30 and now a full 54 years after that, the longest gap between any of the Primarchs being found in 981... M30. Alpharius Omegon was found. Alpharius, I am Omegon. Alpharius. <laughs> <laughs> I, Alf I love Alpharius. Alpharius is fantastic. 
Um, Alpharius is the Primarch of the 20th Legion. We don't know what his homeworld is. We don't know where he came from. We don't know what his upbringing was. We know nothing about his life before his discovery. The Alpha Legion are effectively the secret military police of the Space Marines. Alongside it's, it's... their standard duty of bringing worlds to compliance. Sorry, Acorn, did you say something? I was going to say, it's the it's the difference in stealth techniques between um, Corvus and Alpharius. Because, like, Corvus, I strike from the shadows. I'm so sneaky, you're never going to see me. Alpharius, I've been here the whole time. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Which is ironic and rather fitting for his story. Yeah. Alpharius and the Alpha Legion effectively operate as the secret police for the Space Marines. They have stolen armor from every other Legion. They know the tactics, code words, and passcodes for every other Legion, and basically they will have agents in all of the other Legions making sure that things are going as normal and as appropriate. Additionally, and if they aren't, just... Yeah, they deal with it. Additionally, they also wage war in a really different way to most of the other legions because they use 90% of the time most of what they do is they operate through human spies and agents what are they gene stealer cult <laughs> because the the icon for the alpha legion is the hydra and hail hydra hail hydra like the hydra they have many heads they are everywhere and a couple interesting things about them is Alpharius and Omegon actually have an ability where he can... You know the perception filters in Doctor Who? Yeah. Alpharius can perception filter himself out. Ooh. So as long as he doesn't draw attention to himself, as long as you're not actively looking for him, then you just don't notice him. He's just another face that doesn't stick in your brain. Yeah. Additionally, Alpharius is the smallest of all of the Primarchs, being only marginally taller than your average space marine. And where most space marines look incredibly similar, in a very much like regular human struggle to tell the difference between them, even space marines do with other legions sometimes because they're all gene modded, the Alpha Legion go to extreme lengths to use additional gene modding and cosmetic surgery to make every single Alpha Legionary look as similar to Alpharius as physically possible. It is almost impossible to tell the difference between any two Alpha Legionaries, because additionally they are all trained to act, walk, talk, and think exactly the same. As in, in the book which focuses around the Alpha Legion, in the first, in the first two chapters, the phrase, I am Alpharius, is said seven times by seven different people. I am Spartacus. Yes! And the entire time you have no idea which one is the actual Alpharius, which one is the actual Primarch. Because Alpharius... Oh, you know, he's not there. Yeah, all you know is he's there. Or he might not be. Because Alpharius regularly wore the armor belonging to a standard Alpha Legionary or a Legionary from his bodyguard squad and had one of the regular legionaries wearing his armor, pretending to be him. Very much uh, Princess Amidala in the prequels. Yeah, very much. Yeah. One of the weird, one of the most interesting things about Alpharius is, however, you may notice in all of the art there are two of them, and that's because yeah. Alpharius is a twin. <gasps> it is what? Alpharius and Omegon. I just, I, 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 lo- I want to just say, I know that gasp 
was genuine. I know that what was genuine, but that's the kind of gasp and what I'd expect to hear on like TV, and it was it was perfect. Yeah, that was that was excellent. <laughs> well done on that one. Thank you. Yeah, Alpharius is a twin. He has a twin brother called Omegon. They are both the Primarch. It's and outside Alpharius of... and Oh My God. <laughs> God damn it. And outside of the Emperor himself, the High Lords of Terror, and some of the other Primarchs, and like Alpharius and Omegon's personal, like, highest command, basically no one alive knows that there are two of them. Nobody knows that there are two of them, and they can't tell each other from each other. They swap <laughs> they who is Alpharius and, um, and who is Omegon so they often do. that they, they don't do. know who is who. They do regularly swap out as to who's who. They know who each other is because of their like their innate psychic abilities, but they are the only ones who can tell who is who. Basically, yeah. But yeah, no, they, they often trade places. Yeah. Like, I it can imagine great. that they don't even know which name belongs to which of them it's just whoever is which on the day <laughs> like alpharius and Omegon will quite commonly be in the honor guard to the primarch air quotes who is just a regular legionary wearing alpharius's armor <laughs> and where they can both do that perception filter trick where they are just another part of the honor guard you never notice you never even think there might be two of them you never even think they might not be the primarch but an interesting thing is shortly before Alpharius was killed, because Rogel Dawn actually kills Alpharius, because Alpharius and the Alpha Legion is technically a traitor legion? Maybe. Okay. We're not sure. Neither are they. Depends on what day it is. They, they did, literally... Did Amagon survive? Uh, hold on, Echo. What were you going to say? They, they literally have, like, out of all of the armies, they have the biggest like inverted commas around traitor yeah because they will show up on a battlefield and they will be fighting they will be wearing like ultramarines armor fighting for the imperium against the alpha legion okay or they will show up wearing like a different chaos legion armor and fight against chaos or they will they will like it depends on whose day it is. Um, like, it's it's completely random as to whether or not the Alpha Legion is actually on your side. They know what they're doing. They have a big plan. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> they are but... very much... They very much see everything else as a cog in the machine, and they are the ones with the instruction manual. Exactly. They're writing the instruction enough, manual. Just before to. Rogel Dawn killed Alpharius... Alpharius told them that he was actually the first Primarch to be discovered because Alpharius landed on Terra hmm. and Omegon was sent somewhere else. It wasn't until Alpharius and Omegon were reunited that they publicly stepped forward and Alpharius claimed the title of Primarch. What? However, that might also be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's true with them. What? That's so yeah. <laughs> but like, still, when when Alpharius was killed, did Omegon survive? Omegon was not killed in that fight. Omegon got away. His fate is unknown. We do not know where Omegon is. Missing presumed question mark? Just missing. Just fate unknown. I like missing presumed question mark. 
Yeah, missing pursuit yeah. question mark is so much better. Because, like, all yeah. of the other ones have, like, presumed XYZ, so, like... No, unfortunately, Alpharius is very much dead. Tragic. But that is all 20. That is the 20 sons of the Emperor, the 20 Primarchs of mankind, the 20 greatest heroes and villains in the history of humanity. <sighs> Fucking hell. That was that was quite a dive, wasn't it? Some of yeah. them got heavy. Yeah. yeah. Some of them have a lot better and a lot interesting, a lot more lore. Like, some of them were talked about a lot more extensively than others. Uh, others were just kind of glanced over relatively quickly because they just weren't that interesting or they will be more interesting at a later point. Some of them are interesting. About them. Sorry, what was that thing? Some of them just don't have much pu- published about them. Yeah. Uh, there's enough published about them, it's just whether or not it's worth talking about. <laughs> Some of them are interesting because we don't know about them. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at you, maybe possibly Alpharius. <laughs> I love the idea that Alpharius and Omegon infiltrated like one of the larger legions and they were just like, shit, they're too tall. We will stand out because we're too short. We're gonna do the two kids in a trench coat thing. Ah! <laughs> I love that. It's canonical that at some point an alpha legionary spy has been caught out and shot after trying to infiltrate the Imperial Fists legion because they didn't know that the Imperial Fists get a tattoo of the Imperial Fists icon on their left buttock. Are you really a now. fist? Pull down your pants. Let me fist you! <laughs> it's There's a lot of memes about, like, Rogaldorn leading a charge into battle and just calling to his men, FIST THEM UNTIL THEY CANNOT BE FISTED ANY FURTHER! <laughs> but yeah, thank you to everyone for for joining us yet again for a fucking doozy of an episode like some of the the most interesting primarchs came at the very end unfortunately so there, there was a lot to talk about this one um i'm not entirely certain what the next episode's going to be probably we're going to finish off like a decent chunk of the 30k section and like bring up to speed for the main story episode with uh an actual explanation of the overview of the events of the heresy. <laughs> yeah, I I don't even know what questions to ask at this point, so... Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Damn. Alright. It's a lot. It, it is a it's lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. And, like, when it comes to everything, I don't really feel like we've scratched the surface. God, no. There are, there are over 30 years of lore to work through here. And like, like we've touched technically three and a half factions ish armies, yeah. like groups. There are so many more. We haven't even got to the Nids, the Tau. Yeah, I the Nids so don't even show to... up in the Milky Way galaxy until the forty-first millennium. I am so looking forward to going on this journey with you two. So I am so confused, but hey. We're 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 working through it. We've been recording You're for over two so hours. You're gonna have so much shit to add to your conspiracy board. Yeah, we've been recording for over two hours at this point, so I'm gonna have to see how much of this I can edit down. Oh yeah. god, this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. This is as fine as the heresy. Mm. The heresy was not fine. 
Everyone, thank you all very, very much for joining us on this, this, and I hope that you will be joining us for the rest of this journey, wherever it takes us, however far it goes. Please feel free to take a look at our TikTok. Bing is semi-regularly posting interesting things on there. Uh, feel uh, free to chat on the Facebook with us as well. And Bing is posting when Bing is able to. Yeah, Bing yeah. is posting when Bing is able to. That is that is fair. That is my bad. Apologies. Uh, and please, if you if you have the uh, a little to give, feel free to take a look at our Patreon and help out with there. That'll get you access to the Discord to. Uh, chat with the rest of us and the rest of the community that we're kind of starting to build here. And see all uh, of the chaotic fan art that Mori is posting while we're recording the episodes. Yeah, you can see the, the conspiracy wall that Bing is building on their wall. It's, it's proper fucking always sunny meme. <sighs> it's literally the length of a standard bed and it goes up onto my ceiling. And we're barely even... St- Scratched the surface. Oh, uh, when we told, when we asked you how far away Slanesh was from Fulgrim. Oh, oh yeah. They're on yeah. opposite ends of my wall. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ladies good. and gentlemen, and those with the good sense to do away with the whole affair, remember, I am Alfarius. I am Alfarius. No, I am Alfarius.